0: This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. We've been on the trajectory of faith now for, I don't know, weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And we're on it again tonight. Now, you can take a deep breath because I'm not going to talk about sexual sins tonight, okay? It's okay. If you want to learn about that, there's podcasts on those. And again, I will not apologize for speaking on that. Only the truth in any area it sets us free. And I realize sometimes the truth can make us uncomfortable. But when it makes us uncomfortable, normally that's the Holy Spirit convicting us, just trying to help us out, okay? So, again, I'm not throwing stones at anybody. I'm just preaching the Word of God. So go with me tonight to the book of Genesis, chapter number 39. And we're going to pick back up here. Now, Joseph's journey and the trajectory of faith was about Joseph's journey. And Joseph's journey, once he had that dream, was a journey of faith. And what I mean of faith, he had to keep believing God and keep believing God because the journey of faith he went through was also a journey of tests and trials and tribulations. And so when you begin to look at Joseph's life, even in each test, he chose to honor and obey God. He kept walking with God. Now, because Joseph made the decision to walk in obedience no matter what the price was, he had every reason to expect that God would bless him. Right? I mean that's why we all look at it. We think, Man, when I continually do the things of God, God is going to bless me and God's going to take care of me. Now, watch what takes place here in Genesis thirty nine, verse thirteen. And remember, this was right after Potiphar's wife said lie with me, and he fled. And so it was when she, Potiphar's wife, saw that he left his garment in her hand, and she fled out, or he fled outside. He ran after, and you know, one commentary that I was reading in, it said that he ran to protect himself, to bless God and honor God. But I looked at this, and it had this in there that said that if he wanted to, he could have overpowered her and took it back. But everything within him said, man, I got to get out of here. Keep reading, verse 14. That she called to the men of her house and spoke to them, saying, See, he has brought, Potiphar, her husband, has brought into us, the Hebrew, to mock us, and he came to me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. Now, if you look at this, Potiphar's wife was an Egyptian. Joseph was a Hebrew. So literally right here, you know what she does here? She plays the race card. She said, my husband brought in this Hebrew, and look what he's done. He's mocked us. Keep reading. Verse 15. And when it happened, when he heard that I had lifted my voice and cried out, that he left his garment with me and fled and went outside. So she kept his garment with her until his master came home. Then she spoke to him with words like these, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you brought to us came into me to mock me. So what happened is I lifted my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled outside. So it was when his master heard the words which his wife spoke to him, saying, your servant did to me after this manner, that his anger was aroused. Then Joseph's master took him, put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. Now, legally in the Egyptian law, he should have been put to death for this. Most believe that Potiphar didn't fully believe everything that his wife said. I think Potiphar knew deep down Joseph's character. So we read this, this guy named Joseph, he lives to honor God. Remember in this passage, this is when he looked at her and said, I won't sin against God. I won't do wickedness and sin against God. So we see that Joseph, he lived with character. He tried to please God, but the reward for him right here, the immediate reward for him living with godly character was he was lied about, he was falsely accused, and he was thrown into prison. Now, when we read stuff like this, we have to ask ourselves, well, what's wrong with this picture? It reflects what does happen and can happen in a fallen world. And so literally what we see, even though he lived in obedience to God, it didn't guarantee him that bad things wouldn't happen. So again, when you see biblically here, I can do the right thing and get the wrong results. You say, wow, then why do we serve God? Understand this, God's a just God. God's a just God. And part of this happens that God gets us in situations where we have to walk out things. And when you get in a situation like this, you find people's true heart. Do I really love God? Do I love God for who he is or do I love God just for what he can do for me? Now, here for a minute, and this is, this is my thoughts today when I'm looking at this. What if this happens to me where I'm thrown into prison? What if it happens to you? And you sit there and you think, I didn't do nothing wrong. Would it cause me to Draw near to God or would it cause me to run away from God? These are great questions that we have to ask ourselves. Because if I look and think, man, I'd quit serving God for that. It's a good sign that maybe I'm serving God for the wrong reasons. How many of us would serve God in here right now if God never blessed me again? It's a pretty good question, isn't it? Now... Hold your place right there if you want to put a marker in there because I'm going to come back to this same passage later on. But I want you to go to the book of Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Now, where we're heading for this is when you look what took place with Joseph, Joseph was in jail or thrown into jail for what? For being a godly man. And so even in Joseph's life, while he's sitting there in prison, I believe this is a word for every one of us right here. I've got to make the best out of a bad situation. Now, can you imagine he had these dreams, and now he's in in prison, and when you study this out, he spends 10 years in prison for nothing he did. So when we begin to turn here, where we're going to this tonight is this is what we call the perseverance test. And when you look at perseverance, perseverance is one of the longest tests we're ever in. It's literally years, plural, okay? The difference between patience and perseverance, patience usually has to deal with this moment, an hour, a day, a week, or a month. But perseverance is literally for years. And so there's a huge difference in this. And so when we look at this, uh, that he's in this test with perseverance now, one of the definitions of perseverance means endurance. It's kind of like a marathon. The Lord Jesus said in John 16, 33, he said, In the world you will have tribulations. He didn't say, maybe, if so, maybe. So he said, in this world, you're going to have tribulations. So he's warned us. So we look at Joseph's life. He's in an incredible tribulation. Matthew chapter 7. Begin with me in verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now, the Lord Jesus, if you notice, that's red-letter words. Right there, you know what he tells me and you? He gives me and you the definition of a wise man. A wise man is the man who hears the word of God, and he does it, or he acts on what he hears. Verse 26, or 25. And the rains descended. The floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Now, if we pay close attention, Jesus here in his words defines a foolish man. And he said he's the one who hears the word of God, but he doesn't do nothing with it. He blows it off or says, you know what? I'm just not going to do that. I don't want that. And so he said, the difference between the wise man is he built his house on a rock. The foolish man built his house on the sand. Then we end this passage in verse 27. He said, the rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on the house and it fell and great was his fault. Now, many times in this parable, we overlook something and what we overlook That it didn't matter if it was the wise man or the foolish man. Both of them experienced the storms of life. Both of them. So just because I'm a wise man and I've heeded the word of God and I've acted on the word of God doesn't exempt me from the storms of life. So this is what he's trying to tell us. That tribulation and trials will batter every one of our lives in different times, and so again, when this begins to happen, we, we need to prepare ourselves because Jesus said, in this world you're going to have a tribulation He lets us know just because you're a doer of the word doesn't mean these things aren't going to happen and so whether you do the word or you don't do the word of God, the storms are going to come now the only difference is one stands and the other one gets wiped out. So when you see this where it says that the one stood, he was able to stand, one of the great references there is uh, Ephesians 6, verse 13 and 14, and both of those verses have to do with standing. And he says, when you've done all you know to do, then stand. Now, I don't stand in my own ability, I stand on the promises of God. I stand on the Word of God. So here this young man named Joseph, man, life is slapping him. I mean, you imagine all the stuff. He, he goes from this incredible dream, and I believe with this that big dreams we require big character. But he has this massive dream, and all of a sudden his brothers turn on him, they throw him in the pit and he ultimately sold as a slave. He's a slave for a couple of years and then his master's wife lies for him and now he becomes in prison for 10 years. But he stands. He stands. And the reason we know he stands is we'll come back to it in this passage back in Genesis 39 here in a little bit. But he ends up fulfilling and walking in the very dream that God had told him. Now, turn with me to the book of Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. And so even with, with Joseph, man, you begin to see he he had some things hitting. They battled him, but his circumstances didn't just change overnight. So this became a long process. It was a long haul for him. And that's going to happen to most of us in this room. Now, biblically, you're going to be seeing some things that will begin to happen here that will help you. I remember that I I graduated from a Bible school and I was really, really young. 22-ish, and I had this thought, man, I'm telling you, I need to be into the ministry right now. Well, that didn't happen, and I look back on it now, and I said, thank God it didn't happen because I didn't have the character to do what God would have needed me to do, and when people get in positions before they're ready, they hurt themselves, and they hurt a lot of other people. And so the process kept going, and the process kept going, and the process kept going. And it was 18 years in the making. And I remember years that I'd think, man, Lord, do you not see me? Do you not see what's going on? And I remember when I got to be about 35, I became very settled. I became very content in life. And I said this to the Lord. I said, Lord, if all I do the rest of my life is serve in my brother's church, for the kingdom of God, and if I do these connect groups, then so be it. I'm, I'm going to do it with all my might, and I'm going to be happy. And all of a sudden, I got really content. And before long, the door started opening up. And I remember when I had the opportunity to speak to small, small groups, I cherished it. There was a small church in Tucumcari, New Mexico. How many of you have ever been to Tucumcari? We call it Scary. If you're from there, I don't mean that ugly. But they were needing a pastor, and so I would fill in. And I would drive up there, and I'd get so blessed. I thought, I, I cannot believe people would sit here and listen to me. And that little church had about 30 people. I remember going up there one Sunday, and the lady met me at the door, and she said, we got a little problem. And I said, well, what's that? And she said, we don't have our praise and worship leader here today. Well, I thought, ah, no worries. God will figure something out. So she comes back about five minutes for the service, and she said, you can lead praise and worship, can't you? Now, you're talking about big faith. I'm telling you, I looked at her like, oh, dear Jesus. Did you do it? I did. I told them all to shut their eyes. Close your eyes and look to Jesus. <laughs> so it was quite an event, but the Lord began to stretch me, and he began to stretch me. And when I was reading this today, I begin to see how perseverance begins to work. And I believe really this, these last 15 minutes or so, God really wants to speak to our hearts here tonight. Colossians chapter 3, verse 22. Bond servants, obey in all things your master's. Obey in all things your earthly masters, people that are over you, your bosses. Now, I highlight in there, in all things. Because this this is a big deal to Father God. It reveals our heart. And so I think about this with Joseph. Did he obey his master in all things? He did. He served him incredibly. Now understand, when you have a boss that's over you, it's a test. Do you submit to their authority or do you look and say, he's an idiot. He doesn't know what he's doing. Again, God sees these things and he goes on to say, In all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye services, men pleasers, Not just when they're watching you, but in sincerity of hearing and fearing God. One translation says that when you do this, when you honor people that are over you, it's an act of worship to God. Because you know what you're saying? I'm doing it under you, Father God. I worship you. Now, if I would get this mindset, it would change me when I go to work. Because when we go to work, you know what it's easy to do? Get in the flow, get in the rut like everybody else. What does the world do? All they do is complain about their job. I hate my job, I hate my boss, I hate life. And it's very easy to get caught up in that. But again, God sets the standard pretty high here. Verse 23. And whatever you do... Whatever, whatever your occupation is, whatever you do, do it heartily, willingly, as to the Lord and not to men. So again, I may be working for a man, but actually I'm doing it as unto the Lord. And when I do this with all my heart, God is a God of promotion. God wants to bless. Verse 24, knowing that from the Lord, not from man, but from the Lord, You will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done and there is no partiality. So literally right here in this, he begins to tell us, I'm sowing seed when I work. And when I do it under the Lord, God sees and God will reward you. God will promote you. God will honor you. Now, when you look at all this that we see here, the choices that Joseph made when he was under the rulership of of Potiphar, because he honored Potiphar, it caused him to be promoted. And you say promoted from a slave to a prisoner. It didn't happen overnight, okay? He kept on him. And when I study this passage, and I encourage you to read this whole thing, you never find one time that Joseph said, it's the last thing I do on earth, I'm going to make you pay, Potiphar. And that wife of yours, I got something for her too. He He never had any resentment. And I look and I think, what an example this guy becomes to every one of us now. Go all the way back to Genesis 39 where we were. And you say, how do you know he didn't yak about Potiphar? How do you? Because watch what this passage says right here. And we pick back up Genesis 39. We left out on verse 21. Watch this. But the Lord was with Joseph right there in the prison. And he showed him mercy. Mercy. And he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Now, when you look at this right here, God wouldn't have done that if his heart would have had unforgiveness and bitterness and he would have yacked about him. God would have said, buddy, you're going to have to learn the hard way. And so when we read this verse right here, God is able to make a way when it seems like nothing's possible. When you're in a position that says it's impossible... But if you note there, he said God showed him favor. Psalm 512 says, I bless my righteous and my favor surrounds you like a shield. So right there in prison, the favor of God was upon him. Think about that in your life. I don't care what seems like the prison in your life right now. The blessing and favor of God can be upon you. Verse 22. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand... All the prisoners who were in prison, and whatever they did there, it was Joseph's doing. So now Joseph's in prison, but now it's kind of like he's the warden. He's in charge of everything. Verse 23. And the keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority, because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made him prosper. So Joseph here, he didn't allow the injustice, the lies that were told about him to stop the work of God in his life. He kept serving God no matter how difficult or unfair it seemed. How many of you have ever said this? That's so unfair. I used to go home from work and I'd tell Shelly, I said, this stuff they do is so unfair. And then you begin to realize, you know what? You just keep doing it unto the Lord. And God takes notice. So this is essential we learn also right here at this point. Because none of us in this room like the thought of experiencing tribulations, but we are warned they're going to come. So if Jesus has warned us that tribulations are going to come, what would happen if we begin to allow the tribulations to come into our life to do the work maybe Lord Jesus is wanting to get into us? And some of you say, is that possible? All right, go to Romans 5 and watch this. So here's the deal as you're turning to Romans 5. If tribulations are going to come, and they are, it's not if they come. I believe the question then arises to me and you. How will I act in a tribulation or how do I react when the tribulation comes? Now, again, just think about Joseph right there. What did he do? He kept serving God. He kept serving God. I worked for a utility company for 18 years. I'm telling you guys, the last few years, God would work on my life, and he would say stuff like this to me, you're the salt of this place. Have you ever thought you're the only believer I have here that has the the ability to be an example to these guys? And so there were things that I began to do because the Lord would he would prompt me in my heart. And used to, it would, it would uh, not bother me to be late for work. And God started doing my work in me and he said, I take notice on what you do. So I started getting to work earlier than everybody else. Now, I'm not glorifying me, okay? And I'd get in there and I would get all my orders ready. And at 8 o'clock I was gone. I was out the door. And every day as I'm going down the street, I would pass guys who were just coming to work. They were way late. And you know what? It didn't bother me a bit. I'm not God, but I'm doing it under God what I do. And so I'm not going to gripe and complain and say, you knuckleheads, come on. Again, God's dealing with my life in this area. And so I would find myself doing that each day and doing that each day. And God would deal with me what I did during work. And I'm telling you, things begin to change in my life. And in that season, I would get persecuted a lot. I mean, the one guy, he's born again now. He was here in our church a few months ago. And he's the guy, every morning I'd say, good morning, and he'd shoot me the finger. He'll tell you that. He'd say, good morning. And, and so they would do stuff over and over and over and over and over and over. And so I realized what it's like to work in the world. I realize what it's like to be around sinners. But what became very interesting in my life is when those guys begin to get into trouble, they would come and say, what do we do? Will you pray? Will you stand? And so over the course of years, I've married their children and I've buried their family members. And it's been great honor because every one of them begin to see the things of God in my life. And I remember one day I, I about broke an arm at work and one of the guys with me, he looked And he said, this freaks me out. And I said, what freaks you out? And he said, you were this close to breaking your arm. And he said, you didn't say one cuss word. And so you know what I realized? People start looking at you. They say when life gets tough, it doesn't change the way he lives. And I believe that's what happened to Joseph in the prison. I believe those prisoners begin to look and say, that guy's got something that I want. I want. And again, it's not because we're any better than anybody, but it's because God's grace and his blessings and his favor becomes on our life because we choose to honor him even in difficult situations. Romans 5 verse 1. Therefore, having been justified or acquitted by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So he tells me right there, you can have peace in life because of Jesus. Verse 2, through whom also we have access or entry by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now, the whole Christian life is a result of God's grace in which we stand. I stand because of the grace of God. When the storms of life come, I stand because of the grace of God. Lord, grace me. Help me to get through this. Verse 3. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. (laughs) Now that's an interesting statement. Maybe you ought to mark that. We glory in tribulations. One translation says we rejoice in tribulations. We rejoice when tribulations are coming into his life. I wish for it. Listen to what the New Living says. We can rejoice when we run into problems and trials. Now, he gives us the answer. And the answer is found right here in what God said about the way tribulation works in our life. Watch this. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulation knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Tribulation's... Produce endurance. So when I read this, we need endurance in our life, but the only way that the Word of God says we're going to get endurance or perseverance is we got to have tribulations. Now it's interesting that he would say, rejoice in that thought. Rejoice. But if I'm needing to get endurance or perseverance in my life, there must be a reason why. And it goes back to this, that when you have big dreams, you're going to have to have big character to hold up those dreams. How many of you have ever had really, really big dreams? You've seen big... Man, all of you ought to raise your hand. If you had, man, I'm going to pray that those things erupt in you. I believe God wants us all to do big things. I mean, every one of us. And so just like Joseph, we go back and think about him. Did he have a big dream? He had such a big dream, he told his ten older brothers, hey, you guys are going to bow down before me one day. And then he has the audacity to tell his father, hey dad, you know what, the day's coming where you're going to bow down before me. you talking about a big dream. So you look at all the stuff he goes through. And when you look at the end result... From the time he got into to being sold until he became the prime minister, it was over 13 years. Perseverance is in years. Keep reading. And tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance or endurance produces character. So you know what he just tells me? The way character is developed is through perseverance or endurance. In other words, I do the same things over and over and over again for years. So this tells me right here, you're not born with character. Character is something that becomes developed on the inside of every one of us. And it comes through the storms of life when the tribulation comes. And so he goes on to say tribulations produces perseverance, perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. And so you look at every one of those things that were mentioned. Joseph experienced tribulation. He walked in years of perseverance, but then, man, you talking about the character of God coming on him. How do we know the character of God came on him? Because when his brothers came back into his life... Now, I want you to think about this for a second. If you got ten brothers, ten sisters, and they sold you out and sold you into slavery, when you came across their path, what would you do to them? I've waited for this day. He does just the opposite. Only godly character says... I forgive. Only godly character says, I love you and I want the best for you. And not only did he forgive them and say that, he took care of them. And so what ultimately happened was that tribulation brought on perseverance, perseverance brought on character, and that character brought on a hope that he said, you know what? I'm going to hold on to the promises of God. In John 15 verses 1 and 2, it talks about that When when God wants us to have more fruit in our lives, he begins to prune us back. He begins to cut on us. I believe that's what God was doing for years in the making with Joseph. He cut on him. He cut pride out. He cut unforgiveness out. He cut the the sexual temptation. He he just kept cutting on him. So anytime God starts cutting on you, you know why? He's got a harvest in mind. Go ahead, Lord. Go ahead and cut on me. And I promise you, there'll be seasons of your life he'll have those little bitty pruners out. Just trimming on you. And then there'll be years of your life that he'll have a chainsaw out. You're thinking, oh my gosh. These are some big things. And you feel like it too. You feel like, oh, he cut my whole leg off today. What's going on? But again, with big dreams, God's got big plans. And so we're all going to walk in some of these tests. And maybe some of you are in a perseverance test. Can you say right now, this has been going on for years in my life. I don't mean this ugly, but I tell you, hang in there, baby. Remember like the old cat? Hang in there, baby. You know why? Because something's happening. God's working. So really when we look at this, glory in tribulation. Glory in it. And and I can stand here and say that. Right now, and it, it still tilts my mind. I promise you, my mind's like glory and tribulation. Roy, rejoice in tribulation. But every time in my life that tribulations have come and I serve God with my whole heart through them, I come out on the other end a lot stronger than I was and my faith becomes developed. I'm going to close with this thought right here. Can you imagine how his faith began to swell, Joseph's? He's thinking one day, my brothers are going to kill me. I got to trust God. He gets sold as a slave and he thinks, oh my gosh, what happened here? I got to trust God. And then Potiphar's wife lies and he said, I got to trust God. So I believe as it went on more and more, you know what he began to say? You know what? I've seen God bail me out. I've seen God take care of me in the pit. I've seen God take care of me when I was a slave. I've seen God take care of me when this woman lied about me. I've seen God take care of me in the prison. So you know what? I'm just going to keep on trusting him. So the more we go and we see how God moves in our life, and it starts out little, but it keeps getting bigger and bigger, and you begin to sense your faith grow, that's the trajectory of faith, where that hope rises back up, and you say, I don't know how he's going to do it, but I know he's going to do it. And so I believe many of you are in these seasons. Count it all joy. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.